0: Hey everyone, it's Michael, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. I just wanted to pause at the beginning of this episode and say thank you. I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're listening, I'm glad you're sharing this podcast with the people that you love. You're the reason that we do this. Don't know a lot of your names, can't see a lot of your faces, but I'm glad that you're a part of this community and this family. This week on the podcast, we're looking at First Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through sixteen. It comes from the message "I'll show you the receipts." And this week, I sat down in the studio with two friends of mine and students on this campus of Southwestern Adventist University.
1: My name is Emily Weaver. I am a student at Southwestern. I work for the church and I'm of Elevate.
2: Um, I'm Eden San Diego. I was on the podcast last week. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, and I just graduated high school again, and I'm in the summer between high school and college. Just chilling. Yeah. The summer summer of freedom. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> All right, so now that you know Emily and Eden, let's dive into our conversation. I'll show you the receipts.
2: So you in this talk, you went through Acts seventeen, the backstory of yes. 1 Thessalonians, um, and I did have a question. Um, you okay. said that you didn't have time to kind of unpack it in the in the talk, but you were talking about a dangerous place to be, um, is uh. saying that Caesar is Lord and and or uh, Caesar is not Lord and Jesus is, mm-hmm. um, and you were like, well, just just kind of have that nugget right there and then but I'd like you to elaborate on that like like what kind of a dangerous place is that um how how much does being a Christian get us in trouble
0: um yeah I that was interesting I was interested by the response too because I didn't there wasn't too much like verbal response from the audience they just kind of do you usually get verbal response um there's sometimes when I make points like those that people are like uh, mm. And this one didn't, so I don't know if I didn't set it up right. Verbal away. Well, gasps, yeah, like, verbal, like yeah. actual. Oh <laughs> yeah, wow, because <yeah. laughs> I I did that the week before on one point. I don't remember what it was now, but people were like, uh, "Oh, is what is uh, Seventh-day Adventism joyful?" Oh, that was a good question. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Uh. Mm. "So maybe I should have asked it as a question." Um, but what I was hinting at there is that the Jews in Thessalonica had placed their allegiance to Caesar above their allegiance to Jesus. Mm. Arguably, they didn't understand who Jesus was at that point in time, but it's very concerning to hear the words that they say that there is no other king but Caesar, mm. and we serve Caesar. And fast forward that into the times that we live in today, you have people saying, so and so is my president, mm. or so and so is <laughs> yeah. not my president. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. And there's Christian symbols associated with um, mm. support or not support of a national leader. Why do you think people do that?
1: I have this, I guess, I feel that sometimes we find ourselves too caught up in this world. You know, we're in this world but not of this world. Mm. Um, and I've I think that with this age of technology and everything's being thrown us thrown at us that we can't help but kind of like sink into it. Mm. And I feel like if we're not, you know, spending time daily in the Word or immersing ourselves in Jesus and then, then we're getting bombarded by all of this news or uh you know facebook if mm-hmm. you find yourself in facebook oh, you know it's a facebook. it's a battlefield there um it's <laughs> <Facebook's and> wild <laughs> yeah so we can we can find ourselves kind of caught up into this and i think it just has gotten really bad um and yeah it's just we just get so caught up in it and mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. hard for us to pull ourselves out of it once we've been like immersed in it yeah
0: yeah. I think we're all, to a certain extent, very political in our approach to life, that there are certain ideologies, there's certain ways of living, there's certain people that we gravitate towards. And in, in a lot of respects, um, the way politics operates in the United States, it's a very religious experience.
2: Yes, it is.
0: And the United States founding is grounded in Christianity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's probably a whole other um, <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. it
2: makes it a lot more complicated. Yeah,
0: and Emily yeah. didn't mention that she's a historian, and so she could um, that
1: is true comment <laughs> is true. a whole
0: bunch on that. Uh, but the, you look at the way we inaugurate presidents. You look mm-hmm. at um, the the significance of a Christian Bible being used in the the mm-hmm. Sworn Oath of Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just there's a lot of symbolism there. And I think placed well, you know, we I I think our government should be influenced by Christian values mm-hmm. and, and morals. Uh, but when the government and when a an elected religious leader or a political leader, in the case of um, Caesar being king over the Jews, I think we we come into trouble when our allegiance to the political state outweighs our allegiance to the kingdom of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see a lot of, like, I know something that we struggle with now is like this, like stark good and bad. Um, And it's something the church wrestles with. And Mm -hmm. um, we see that in politics of like, oh, your side's wrong, my side's right, or vice versa. And it's also like something that um, the Jews were struggling with at this time, because Jesus is coming in and he's like, yeah, what you think is good or bad is not necessarily the case, you know, Mm -hmm. love each other. Um, And so he's challenging that. And it's just incredible.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, I've always heard um, this story introduced in a context of like, um, kind of people who are convinced that the gospel has kind of been watered down in our society to be kind of like, hey, like your sins are forgiven, mm-hmm. that 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 that's great, and like like yes, that is a part of the gospel, but it's so much more in the fact that like like Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and if that's true, then then them saying. Um, that Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. Like, you know, like Jesus is Lord is kind of like thrown around as this kind of like slogan that you put on the back of your car. Yeah. But um, it was actually a profound statement saying that you're you're attacking the government of Caesar, saying yes. that there is a government yeah. Yeah. that is exists mm-hmm. right now that is more important and supersedes Caesar's government. And yeah. I feel like that's still the claim that Christianity makes, is that yes. all governments... <laughs> Jesus, the kingdom of God is like the one that we, we, we worship. Yeah. And I don't know. It's still dangerous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like even, even some of the most like Republican ideals will be like, like it, it it like, oh man, how do I want to say it? Like the gospel, like, like stomps on both sides of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's,
2: It's offensive to both. Yes.
0: Yeah, most conservative to the most liberal. Yeah, to use those political terms, mm-hmm. and then everywhere else in between. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we faced in this past year, poli- specifically um, coming out of an election season and mm-hmm. um, the politicization politization of uh, of wearing a mask or not, mm-hmm. piece of fabric over your face, um, where Christianity has has been rubbed. The mm-hmm. wrong way, perhaps, is that we wrestle with where is our identity and our citizenship. Mm-hmm. Is our citizenship in the yes. United States?
2: Yeah, Philippians mm-hmm. three. Yeah.
0: Yes, we're a citizen. We're, we're all citizens in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we members of a denomination? Yes. Are we a part of Christianity? Yes. Uh, are we citizens of heaven? Mm-hmm. Double yes. Yeah. But all of those come into conflict because that there's, and, and one obviously should outweigh the others, I believe. Yeah. But how do you continue to be a, a quote unquote good citizen of the United States while continuing to be a absolute 100% citizen of the kingdom? No, it's, it's interesting how to navigate that. So here's a question to think about. How do we become good citizens of our communities and good citizens of our kingdom? The kingdom, I should say, not ours, God's, of course. Here's my thoughts. If you're a good citizen of the kingdom of God, you'll be a good citizen of your community. As we embrace the way of Jesus, we take on a way of life that benefits our community. Yeah, there's coming a day that the way of Jesus is not going to be revered as it is now, but in the world that we live in, as we become more like Jesus, as we follow in his footsteps and take up his cross and his way, our communities Are benefited. I
2: think think sometimes like good intentions. Like I can I can see myself having like this conversation like like if I was there in real life and kind of being like what do you do in this situation? Mm -hmm. And I can see like good intentions being like so if we're trying to like spread the gospel right, eh, maybe we shouldn't go around angering all the Jews and like Mm -hmm. maybe we should just like concede a little bit and then for the sake of like the wider cause. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like. That's not what happens. And that's not what Paul does. Yeah. And I'm kind of just like, it seems like a very firm, this is not something that we give up. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting how firm that is. Like, yeah. we're going to get into trouble for this.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Where's the line of what we get into trouble for and what we don't? Yeah. Right. What are we going to stand up for and say, this is the hill I will die on. Mm-hmm. And then like, eh, that one's all right. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't know. I
2: don't know the answer to that. Oh, uh, he says in verse six, I know this is something that he regularly says. I think he says in first Corinthians two, but he says, where as are a, we at? Uh, it, it's the first Thessalonians okay. two, Go verse six. Okay. Um, as apostles of God, we might have asserted our authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, that Paul, Paul very much doesn't do that, but he mentions the fact that he does have authority since he is an apostle. Yeah. What are like the practical takeaways that we can have from that? So so Paul Paul is writing to these people and he's he's trying to say that like when we were with you, we didn't exercise the authority of the like apostleship, even though we could have. Um, what, what what can we get from that? I don't, I don't understand. I, I genuinely don't know like I, I have a question. I don't know.
1: Um, well, I think I mean when um, I was reading this, you know, Christ's message does give us some sort of authority. like we mm. we have this like we've been tasked to go and make disciples and to spread the news. But we can easily find ourselves in the position of, like, superiority of, like, oh, well, I have this thing that's been given to me and not to you. It's my job to educate you mm. and yeah. make you understand this, but I'm still going to be your superior. And, like, Paul does this by example is he didn't go in there as, like, oh, I'm, you know, your boss. I'm going to spread this great word. Mm. No, he uh, and Silas went in as friends and they shared, it says, like, In the verse, it says that we came and we gave the good news to you, but we also like shared our personal lives with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a perfect example for us is like we have been tasked to share the gospel, but we've also been tasked to love each other and to form genuine relationships and not let one person be above the other. Mm. And so I think the most important takeaway for me is that in everything I do, like like, I mean, the whole point of your message was the good news has to be embodied in order mm-hmm. for it to make a difference. And I think that that is, I mean, exactly what we have to do. We can't pretend that we're superior because we're not. We're all equals. We're all sinners. We're all failures, uh, saved by God's grace alone. But we just have to make friends and go about spreading the gospel that way.
0: Hmm. Uh, interesting background on on this passage. First uh, Thessalonians differs and Second Thessalonians differ from. Paul's kind of normal in in Romans and in um, the Corinthians. He'll have a section where he talks about like I am an apostle. Yeah. If I if I if there ever was a Jew, <laughs> <laughs> I was the Jew. You know. Yeah. And what's interesting is that in Thessalonica, his apostleship is not in question. Mm. What's in question is his motives, because mm. he's sharing with them like the background on like here's why yeah. we acted the way we did. Uh, and so I think uh, looking at the life of Paul, I think that there's places like you mentioned, Emily, there's places where perhaps our authority needs to be like, no, this is in our previous conversation Mm -hmm. of how, um, you know, where do I die on this hill and where do I not? Obviously in first Thessalonians, Paul was willing to die on the hill of like, you're not going to drag my name across the streets. (laughs) Yeah. Let me show you the receipts. Here's, Mm -hmm. here's, here's how we acted ethically and uh, with integrity while we were with you. Um, but, I, I do appreciate how Paul in this moment says, you know, we could have, we could have made some demands of you, but instead we chose to operate as, as a mother would and as a father would. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful, powerful, powerful example of the gospel and a subversion of the way of the world. And it brings mm. back to me the imagery of how Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. mm and he's about to go to the cross and it could have been the moment where he knights them and <laughs> and gives them all yeah. power and authority and everything else but instead he he bends down on hands and knees strips himself naked almost mm. and washes his disciples' feet mm. where power and authority become servant mm. and i think that's where true power and authority is, mm. is so you
2: you see this passage as, as him kind of like embodying like mm-hmm. servant leadership
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Like we could have been this way with you, but instead we embodied an, an entrusted steward. We embodied mm-hmm. a, a gentle mother. We embodied a wise father. Mm. So yeah.
2: That's really interesting. You mentioned the gen- the gentleman. I had a question about that. Like what does that look like? Like a gentle, like when he says like I came to you as like a gentle mother, I don't know what to picture. <laughs> like what did, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I think some of our listeners might have a challenge with that too because maybe – our experience with our moms has not been gentle, hmm. and I don't want to say that about I don't no, know, no, yeah, that's, that's not mom, what I'm saying. But yeah. but like my mom's great, but go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think part of that description comes from uh, the New Living Translation translation puts it. We were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children, hmm. and so I think a willingness of a mother to to take care of a life so so innocent and so fragile um Mm. and gentleness doesn't mean weakness yeah yeah you know it takes gentleness is really controlled controlled strength Mm. that you are are able to take care of someone in a way that allows them to feel loved and cared for and still have the ability to do it it's not that you're weak but you're controlling your strength Mm. to be able to to care for that other
2: i guess i I don't think of Paul is a gentle person sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's just an interesting characteristic that he... Yeah. I guess he does use we. Yeah, we so, so is he talking Carter. about
0: himself or he is he, he talking <laughs> about Silas and Timothy? Inside the Timothy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. What uh, do you think, Emily?
1: I can totally picture Paul as like the like the guns behind this type of operation. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think the mother uh, metaphor is like very important because even, you know, it's it's more of like... I picture mothers as, like, you know, one of their basic instincts or, like, their uh, first job is to take care of their kids, and nothing's going to, like, get Mm -hmm. in between that task. And it's just, like, this incredible, like, Paul is like, look, I care about y'all so much, and, like, months ago, they were, like, strangers. Like, he -hmm. he didn't know any Mm -hmm. of these people, but he loves them so Mm -hmm. much that he's using not one but, like, three metaphors to show how much he cares about them. Like, it's just amazing, and it it sets a perfect example for us and what we're supposed to do with others.
0: Yeah. Mm And I think it could be read as perhaps a tangential commentary on Paul's uh, treatment on gender roles. Interesting. And it's a leveler. Mm. Because he doesn't emphasize one over the other mm-hmm. and says that how we were with you as a father was better than how we were with you mm-hmm. as a mother. We were we were this way to you, and we were that both are needed, mm. both are valued, both are are brought to the table and elevated. To the point that says we need both the motherly role and the fatherly role. Mm. It's not one above the other. It's them working together in tandem to bring about the good of the gospel.
2: Interesting. Yeah,
1: and even that with the servant uh, servant mm-hmm. metaphors that that was the one he mentioned first, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. just kind of raises it and is like, we need all of these. We don't need you know just the mom and the father yes. or the father only. Like we need all of them for this to be successful.
0: And I like how you how you picked up on the. Um, Paul's kind of ferventness to uh, his his approach to the Thessalonians. He'd only been with them three weeks. Mm -hmm. When he's writing this letter, it's probably less than a year. Yeah, that's crazy. He's writing back to them. And we're going to look at it next week in in the coming section in 1 Thessalonians that we're going to look at. He's got this, like, the the dude is acting like he's grown up with these people. (laughs) And there was something about the Thessalonian people that he doesn't talk to anybody else Mm -hmm. in the same way. That he he languishes in prayer towards them. He he his his life is wrapped around the salvation of the Thessalonian people, mm. Mm. and he'll basically make the point that says, "I'm alive because you're saved."
2: Mm.
0: And I think about the significance of that. Like, how do do our hearts burn for the our community in mm. Keen around Elevate? That the only reason that I'm alive is because I know that God is working on Eden's heart and on Emily's mm. heart. And that my, my, it doesn't matter if I eat breakfast in the morning or not or whatever. As long as I know that you're walking in the Lord, I'm set to go.
2: Hmm. How do you create a community in which that is like the the vibe?
0: I think in some ways, Paul is describing the dream, right? He's he, he's showing his, his, his burden for the people of Thessalonica. He longs for them as a friend longs for another. This was the turning point in our conversation. We dove in a little bit on what it means to create that type of community. And maybe even though we can't create it, how we can be a support and a help to it. Man, if you knew the answer, if I knew the answer, (laughs) I'd be doing it. Mm. No, I and I think it, it's a it's a willingness to be uh, honest and authentic with ourselves, and I think it's got to start with us. How Paul bears his heart and says, and, and he tells us hey, I, how he treats the Thessalonian community, mm-hmm. I think is one model for that. Mm. Like his example mm-hmm. of to them, yeah, and then... that we carry the gospel mm. as entrusted stewards, that we yeah. treat one another with a motherly gentleness, and we exhort one another with a fatherly wisdom. Mm. I think that I think that's. I mean that's kind of ideological and yeah, esoteric, yeah. but
1: well, I have a question about the very last verse, but I'll uh, I'll hold that until later. Okay. Um, but I uh, one of the parts I highlighted was um, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Um, and I think that was just powerful. I didn't write any notes to it, so I can't remember exactly what I had in mind when I highlighted it. But mm-hmm. I think I highlighted it because um, it's it's like a reminder of like the power of the Holy Spirit. And like even though the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned like by name in this verse, mm-hmm. like it, even though you've accepted it um, and you're working on this, the Holy Spirit is still continuing to build you and transform you and um, and helping you in, you know, as he talks about later, um, with the persecution that they ended up facing um, and continued to face. Mm. But I don't know. I just highlighted that part because it stuck out to me.
2: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, what kind of stood out to me about that was that sometimes growing up in the church or um, being familiar with uh, the Bible or or it can it can kind of like desensitize you sometimes to to where you kind of view it as just another book, like mm. just another thing, just yeah. another word. Sometimes like sermons don't really hit anymore and you're kind of just like, wow, I really don't like your technique on how you did that. And like, <laughs> I'm really not feeling the sermon anymore. And <laughs> I don't know, I feel like they kind of have like overtones of like Hebrews four, like the the word of God is like living and active and like
0: yeah.
2: sometimes the, the ways which God communicates His word is is. It helps to realize that it is a a thing that mm-hmm. is powerful, mm-hmm. that is not just, really good sermon giving skills. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, sometimes we don't have to dress it up. Sometimes yeah. it again it, it has a thing, and like God works, yeah, on on His own sometimes. Yeah.
1: So I guess maybe it's not a question because I don't know that there's an answer, but. Um, at the very end of verse sixteen where it talks about the wrath of God has come upon them, mm. or I read another translation translation where it was like is going to come on them or something and mm-hmm. I, you know, like to make connections. Um and so I guess I was searching for like a meaning of that sentence. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that this I think is before the destruction of Jerusalem in A D yes. seventy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sometime
2: in the forties, right? Fifties? Yeah. Fifties.
1: Yeah. And so I guess I was just curious if, you know, that was maybe a prophecy of that oh, coming because... I haven't
2: thought of that. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um. Or if it's just, you know, talking about the end of the age when everyone, you know, will answer for their um, sins or whatever. But I don't know. That was a curious um, hmm. question. Well, I,
2: I, I know that wrath... I remember wrath being used in chapter one. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, at the end of chapter one, he says, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Mm-hmm. So you think it's like, it's also eschatological,
0: like end times... I, I think it's a yes and. Mm. I think I think it's both. Yeah. Um. And it's it it is interesting to note. Uh. Paul, Silas, and Timothy actually outline the entirety of the letter in the last verse of chapter one, and it, oh, in gotcha. like reverse order. And so the first point they make is the last point that they make in that in that kind of summary at the end. Mm. Um. But to this specific one, I think I think it's both. I think it's interesting to think about the the legitimate destruction of Jerusalem the matthew 24 destruction of jerusalem yes that jesus says the time is now yes. that the end times are now for run, you run for the hills <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's
2: when you should run for the
0: hills yeah. <laughs> and I, I, it isn't just anything about paul silas and timothy being like they're gonna get what's coming to them so don't even worry about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're they're heaping on themselves yeah the, the destruction that's coming yeah and i think that and seeing it both ways of seeing that there's the, the physical one coming, the, the consequences are coming, but then also kind of the, the eschatological view of it, that like the coming wrath of the destruction of the world. Mm. I, I think that there's a connection to our own lives of how do our everyday actions lead to bad outcomes. Mm. And mm-hmm. so what am I doing? That's not according to the will of God that is bringing judgment upon myself in the form of consequences for my actions. And there's a dual meaning to that, that I, if I live according to the way of God, I won't have to deal with the negative consequences for my negative choices. And I also, by the grace of Jesus, will, quote unquote, make it through to the end, will uh, we'll be saved, will be held from the wrath to come. Hmm. So I think there's a dual meaning of the immediate outcomes of our actions plus the long-term outcomes of our actions.
2: Hmm. Oh, uh, this is going back, but in verse nine, it says, uh, "Working by night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you." Yeah. Um, practically, mm-hmm. I mean, we pay our pastors, mm-hmm. right? That's technically a burden, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, wh- what do we, what do we take away from that? Because I don't feel like he's he's saying that we came among you and we were also working, right? He was a tent maker mm-hmm. and he was doing stuff, but we we kind of hire pastors. I mean, you're a pastor; like that's yeah, your full time yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't do this anymore.
0: So you're advocating for me that dude? I should I'm not, not trying to be take away your salary or anything. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> like what, what what can we take away from that?
0: Just as much as we are students of scripture, I think it's important that we are students of society. Now, we can't place our study of society and the people around us above our study of scripture. But the way that we apply scripture to life is informed by our understanding of the people around us. And the way our society functions really boils down to economics. Not just monetary economics, but how relationships are transferred how business is done, how we interact and intersect with each other on a daily basis. So I think our understanding of the economy of our community helps inform how we approach our everyday lives. Paul is talking against the economic system at the time Mm. in that the preachers or the philosophers that were standing up in the streets were uh, parasitic on communities. Oh, you did so you that the, use that the, the word col- in the thing. The yeah, collective benefit that they brought mm. was not enough to merit their, their actions. For instance, like, yeah, they had some interesting words to say, but it's likely that they were um, raping young women, mm. that they were basically having all of their needs met, but not providing anything to the community. Mm. And so Paul is providing commentary that says, that's not what I'm about. Because my my gospel that I bring to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so precious and valuable to me. I don't want you to ever feel mm. that it's as if I'm bringing this to you so I can get something else. Mm. I'm just bringing this to you. I, I got my own needs taken care of. Don't worry about it. Mm. There's there's no there's no twist at the end. There's no, uh, what is it, bait and switch? Yeah. I was was about to mix metaphors and I didn't want to do that. Mm.
2: Okay, so it's like another example of him contrasting Mm -hmm. himself with other local local street preachers or whatever and being like, we we work differently. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think the second thing, in principle, the principle is for the preacher not to be a burden upon the people. Yes. Specifically within Adventism, I think we follow that principle in that my salary is not paid by this local congregation.
2: Oh, interesting. Explain further.
0: Uh, So we have a three-part series on tithe in this podcast that our listeners can go back and listen to. Cool. (laughs) Uh, For purposes of this, uh, basically we have different levels of organization within the church that what is quote-unquote called tithe, the 10% that Leviticus and the Mosaic law talk about Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to bring to God, uh, that 10% is sifted through these different levels of of organization and then sifted back down to the local church. Hmm. So we pay into the mission of the broader church and receive benefits back towards here. And that money goes up and then trickles back down to our local community in the form of seven full-time pastors or full-time equivalents here in this community, hmm. along with any other Adventist church.
2: Awesome. So you think that, that Advent, the Adventism right now as pastors are paid is kind of in line with this passage yeah. and, and what's going on? I cool. think so.
0: Cool. I think so. It's kind of, I mean, and somebody could argue like, well, you're like, you're paying the tithe anyway, but like tithe goes to so much more Mm. and we take in more tithe Mm. than what is so, but my, my, my paycheck does not rise and fall on the success of this church. Mm. So for instance, say we had a really bad year. Yeah. I, there's the way that is all of the churches pay into the tithe and that's distributed back out to pay the pastors. And so when one church falters, the other church is there to help pick them up in the form of paying pastors. Mm. So that's the, the short answer.
2: I just didn't know what to do with that verse. Yeah. I was like,
0: hmm. Yeah, I think the, the principle there for Paul, it, it, he's it's his commentary on the economic system and the the philosophers that ha- exploited, that's the word I was missing earlier, ah, they mm-hmm. exploited, exploited the people for yeah. the, the their further benefit and they didn't really add anything to, what they were sharing was inconsequential to, yeah.
1: to life. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, I'm saying this in front of two people who know Greek. Um, uh, But in verse 5, I was reading on my logos um, that the word greed um, in Greek um, translates or roughly translates to a desire to have more than others. So it's not just Mm -hmm. like the accumulation of like all this stuff for myself, but specifically Mm -hmm. that I have more stuff than you. And that, I mean, was just... A pretty like stunning indictment on all these other philosophers that not only are they like not really giving anything but they're like yeah specifically trying to extort these people and have as much as they could over yes. anyone else hmm. so yeah. i thought that was kind of interesting
0: yeah And you bring that into the conversation of sabbath and how and why we keep sabbath i think we were talking about this this le- this last week off off of off the record um but the ongoing conversation is in Seventh-day Adventism: is can you or can you not go out to eat on Sabbath?
2: Oh yes, yes we were.
0: And there's some people that do, some people that don't. Yeah. No, no judgment for me whatsoever. I personally choose not to because mm-hmm. I'm protesting the economic system, mm-hmm. and I spend 24 hours not buying anything mm-hmm. to protest our and and to rest from our economic system mm-hmm. in hopes that that would. Make some changes hasn't yet, but <laughs> for my yeah. own personal benefit, I choose to I choose to step back and mm-hmm. remove myself from the economic system. Mm-hmm.
2: It's so kind of this that, idea of like Sabbath as like a resistance mm-hmm. to like the mm-hmm. world, the, yeah. the way that the world works, and mm-hmm. kind of like going against that. I like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that that ties in with with Paul's like how how he handled himself with the Thessalonian people. I can't say Thessalonians today with the Thessalonian people. I think it's the wit, the th and th. That's hard. Uh, Anyways, side tangent: Uh, how he handled himself with the people is, in an essence, like uh, that's his example. He's following after Christ, Mm. and he's he's a living example of what it means to rest, to Sabbath, to 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 live Jesus more than just words, but living it out in actions. And that's why he can pull their seats out and be like, "Yeah, look."
2: What what was your favorite takeaway from the sermon?
0: Hmm. I think the 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 end and the impassioned peel that appeal that I made. Um the reason why Paul could say so much of what he did, because he lived it out. And we as a church spend so much time talking about what we're going to do or mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. the authority we have to do what we do, mm-hmm. but we don't do it. Mm. It's like let's just let's go do the thing. We're talking about doing it. Let's go do it. Let's mm-hmm. go live the gospel.
1: Yeah. Mm. And stop making such a big deal of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just—I mean—at at the end of the day, you're doing it for your community, but you're doing it for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's something I've always struggled with because I'm like, okay, Emily, at the end of the day, this is this is for God
0: our conversations from First Thessalonians keep getting richer and richer. And I'm glad that you're along for the journey. There might be some other people in your life that want to come along with the journey as well, but they just don't know about this podcast. Maybe they don't know you listen. Well, here's an ask and an appeal. I invite you this week to send this podcast, maybe even right now, to one person. Say, hey, I was thinking about you while I was listening to this. I, I, I had you in mind. I thought you would enjoy this. Share it with somebody that you know so that we can begin and continue to build the community that is Elevate Retake. Thank you so much for listening. You can find information in the description on how to connect with us. And maybe you'd like to be on the podcast. Send us a link, send us a voice message rather, and uh, we would love to include you in our discussions. It's my hope and prayer for you as you're part of the Elevate Retake community that you would continue to grow in Christ. And that the God that supported the church in Thessalonica and that supported Paul on his missionary journeys would also support you. And that he would bring the people around you entrusted with the gospel, prepared to shepherd you as a gentle mother and as a wise father. May you reflect that back to those around you for God's honor and glory. And we're gonna rejoice in your salvation. We'll catch you next time on Elevate Retake.